Welcome to Revitalize Your Relationship. You are listening to Episode 100, My Marriage Secrets. Hello there, lovers. My name is Erin Aquin, and we have made it to Episode 100. I am so excited to kind of share this milestone with all of you. There's been over 127 episodes of this podcast, actually. I just looked at it on iTunes. Um, We've done so many Facebook Lives, extra classes, bonuses that we are well over 100. But this is episode 100 officially. And I want to say thank you to everybody who took the time to head over to iTunes and leave me one of those kind reviews. If you have not done that yet... You could help me celebrate today by doing that. And I have something very special for you. Today, I have invited my husband, Steve, who you've heard on the podcast. I think he was on episode four. <laughs> and then he was in a, a episode maybe like halfway through. Uh, so I've invited him back today to talk about what it takes to have a thriving marriage. And it's really funny. We were talking about what we were going to say and what the episode was going to be. And I basically was like, forget it. Let's just record. Let's just have a conversation. Because it really, it occurred to me that there's not just one little tip or trick or hack that translates into an amazing relationship. It really is about how you show up each and every day. And we're going to talk about what that looks like in our marriage, what that looks like for us personally. And um, I hope you don't mind, Steve, but I'm going to share the news here on the podcast. Since this whole journey um, of me transitioning and becoming a full-time life coach has happened, I guess Steve has been paying attention and, and noticing something because he is now stepping into his own coaching journey and he's going to be starting to work with clients really soon, which I'm really excited about. Um, It's one of those funny things where I did not poke or prod or force him or cajole him (laughs) just to do this, but uh, yeah, he's doing this amazing thing and becoming a life coach because I think he's seeing all of the, the work that I've done and the work that all of you are doing out there. And I don't know, you tell us, why are you getting in on it? Hi, everybody. Great to be here. I am getting in on it because it's exciting. It changes people's lives. It's changed my life. I've seen how it's changed your life, Erin, and the people that you work with. So it's something I've always been passionate about, and it just seemed like now was a really good time to to join in and uh, join the party. You know I'm totally going to try to convince you to work with some of my clients too. Uh, Steve and I used to actually teach meditation teachers together and we used to teach uh, retreats. So hopefully we'll be able to fire up some of that again. Um, I'm super excited about it, but that's not what we're talking about today. I just wanted to share that with all of you. What we're talking about today is what it actually takes to have a thriving relationship. And I touched on this already. I think a lot of it has to do with how you show up like a team and what you put in every single day. But I know that for both of us, a lot of this work has been internal, very personal 
things that we don't necessarily spend a lot of time talking about together. What's your take? Like when, when you think about what it takes for you personally to show up and be in a relationship, tell us how you've done that. I think it takes thoughtfulness and a clear intention on what it is that you want. And it is something that you renew every day. For me, it's about engaging with myself and with you and with the whole world around me around this question, what is it that I want? And so one of the top things that I want, every time I do a big thought download on, you know, what do I want my life to look like? What are the big things I want to accomplish? On that list, in the very top one, two, or three is an amazing relationship. If that weren't on that list, if that were lower down, if that were just something that I assumed was going to be there, then it would be a different story. But I understand that for this to be exceptional, the the, the world that we create between us, the life that we live, um, it actually has to be a priority and something that I'm investing in. Because it's natural, it's not easy. I mean, certain parts are, but other parts are, are quite challenging. And I see our relationship as a, um, not like, like a testing ground, but like a, a, a shala, a practice space, right? The space where all of your preconceived notions and all of your smaller self uh, tendencies and all of those things are in your face because it's it's how you are with people every single day and it's this one person and you get to know each other really well and you build this ground of trust and so um, it's it's a powerful place of practice um, so how I do it is I'm intentional about the fact that I want our relationship to be extraordinary and then I realized that that's not up to you to make it extraordinary. It's up to us, but that starts with me. What am I bringing to it? What am I holding back? What do I need to overcome in order to, um, in or, in order to bring that kind of joy and love and ease and growth and depth and all of those things that, that I want our relationship to, to manifest? I love that because I think... I mean, this is not going to be the same for everybody out there, but I think like the context of our relationship started in a spiritual practice. And I think the quality of how you're talking about it is that this is just another form of spiritual practice. And, you know, for those of you where that's like soup sounds super woo and like, oh, we're doing spiritual practice in our marriage. <laughs> that does not resonate with you. You know, I think another way of looking at it is, <laughs> is uh, you coach yourself every day. And I coach myself every day. And we both come into the relationship with like, maybe you more than me, but like <laughs> a cleaned up mind. <laughs> I have to work a little harder to clean up my mind. I've I've talked about this on the podcast, but definitely, especially in the early days of our relationship, you were de you were the sane one. I was the crazy one. I was the one self-sabotaging my whole life up until I met you. And then I tried to sabotage the relationship for probably a good year <laughs> after that. So self-coaching on a daily basis, I think is one of the best practices that you can do. And for those of you who are like, what does that mean? You know, if you haven't listened to all 99 episodes before that, it really is asking those questions that you just posed. How do I want to show up? What is the purpose of this? 
I think another thing that you said uh, reminded me sort of of childbirth. (laughs) It's natural, but it doesn't make it easy. We're humans. We want to be connected. We thrive in connection. In fact, I think a lot of people in the world are going through this right now. They feel so isolated or they're so worried about if they say the wrong thing, if they do the wrong thing, they're going to be judged. They're going to be pushed out of their community or their relationship. And like that feels like death because our natural tendency as humans is to be connected and be together. But it doesn't mean it's easy. (laughs) Just like having a baby. (laughs) So... I think that that's really important for people to remember because if you go into a relationship thinking that it's just supposed to click, it's just supposed to be passion all the time and we never fight and we never disagree and we're always supposed to be on the same page and we're always supposed to be happy, inevitably you're going to be disappointed and you're going to have a rude awakening. (laughs) So coaching yourself every day I think is one of those core foundational things it's definitely the very first thing I teach my clients because you want to step into your relationship being empowered so we kind of talked about this as an internal practice but when you talk about coming together in the relationship what do you think more people could be doing like what do you think we do that's different from couples on the brink of a divorce well I think communication is fundamental to a successful relationship And there's nuance to what communication actually means. Because when I look at couples who fight all the time, they are communicating, but they're not connecting. They're in two separate camps and never the twain shall meet. And they say, I, you know, I just can't reach that person. Just can't reach her. And then vice versa. So communication ain't easy. You know, you say, you got to communicate. All right. I'll say, I'll say what's on my mind and If she doesn't get it, then she's irrational and whatever the other side of that might be. Um, I'll say what's on my mind and if he doesn't get it, he's a jerk. It's tricky. So I think it's a commitment to improving at communication. As I I go through the, the practice of understanding what's going on in my own mind, understanding where I'm coming from, understanding my own motivations, the fact is there's no wrong way to do it. It's not like, oh, I'm doing it wrong, but we can always get better at it. We can get better at um, a couple episodes ago, there was the clean requests, right? That's all about communication, understanding where you're coming from. So that's, yeah, that's fundamental. Yeah, I think that's really important. A lot of people do communicate yelling at each other or, you know, you can communicate by being passive aggressive and not talking. That communicates a lot. Saying, no, no, I'm not mad. I'm fine. Um, I think the what's underneath the communication is exactly what's important. If you're more invested in being right than you are in functioning like a team, then you're in trouble. And, you know, this is, this is something, probably one of the harder things that I've ever worked on or that I've worked on with my own, within my coaching practice is really having to come face to face with, are you willing to actually be wrong? Are you willing to open up and entertain other possibilities for what could be the right thing to do here? Are you willing to compromise a little bit and work with the other person 
And I think people have this notion that if you're communicating and you're saying what's on your mind, the other person should just accept it and they should follow you or they should change. Communication is just like the tip of the iceberg. Then it's like deciding how you want to, once you put it all on the line, once you put it all on the table, once you've been vulnerable, then you have to do something with it. So you mentioned being willing to let go of being right in order to communicate well. And I had an insight on that just this last week that was really interesting because it's not just uh, when you say things, being willing to let go of being right. It's even before you say things or the act of not saying things. What I realized was my investment in, like I was so sure that I was right that I wouldn't say things because um, I knew that it would just rock your world. Like you just couldn't handle it. Like I had this thing that I was so right on and it was so, you know, against what, what was happening or what you, what you were doing that I was just, I was just going to keep that in because obviously I'm right about it. And so the, the insight was like approach everything that's happening in your mind with an open hand, like just with curiosity. Maybe I'm not right about this, but it is what I'm thinking. Let's put it out on the table and see... How does this relate to what's going on? Then it's not confrontational. It's actually just exploratory. Like I said, I'm invested in our relationship being one that demonstrates peace, harmony, cooperation, development, love, all of those things. And so I tend towards, you know, just don't say anything. Just, just let it be. Just don't share my thought. But what's underneath that is I'm right. And if I share this truth with you, you know, it's just going to blow, everything's just going to blow up. So I don't want that to happen. So I won't share this truth as opposed to maybe I'm not right, but here's what I'm thinking. Let's explore it together. Maybe there's something there. Oh, that's so good. I think you have to be vulnerable in order to say what it is you think you're right about. And the contrast of that is I have a, a few clients right now who I've been talking about who have like very strong partners, very strong personality. And their partner's like not shy about thinking that they're always right. And they position themselves in a more um, powerful or authoritative way. And I think it's interesting when you have a partner with a very strong personality, not like you do, (laughs) but people out there who may have a partner with a strong personality um, who's very verbal about being right and not shy about it. What those people tend to do is they sort of over time become like the wallpaper in their relationship. They start to sort of fade into the background. They don't bring up their position, even though they also think that they're right. And they're just like, ooh, I'm not going to risk this other very strong person telling me how wrong I am. So I'm just going to let them be right. And I'll just slowly fade into the background and get like a lot of people do this for like 20, 30 years. And then they have no idea what they like, what their preferences are, what they think. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people either in consultation calls or listeners who write to me and tell me that they don't even know what they would do on a Saturday if their partner hadn't like dictated the whole schedule to them. And they think it's their partner's fault for being really strong, having a really strong personality, but actually they've voluntarily become the wallpaper in their relationship. And I think that is also a communication problem. It's being so 
worried or concerned about what your partner is going to think, what they're going to say, that you don't even make decisions for yourself. And there's just no way you can show up and be an empowered partner and have a thriving relationship when you are sort of just the wallpaper, the background. That's so good. And you speak to the circumstance of having a partner who is very strong-willed. Everybody has some kind of a circumstance that they blame for the reason that their situation isn't as great as it is. In my case, I kind of chuckle at myself to say it, but it's also kind of embarrassing. Like our kids demand a lot of time and attention as children do. And and oftentimes I'm like, well, if it weren't for the fact that I was spending an hour making oatmeal and cleaning up the mess and doing all the things, I could live the life of my dreams. Like, that's not the oatmeal's fault. <laughs> I can't blame my two-year-old for my lack of execution on my grand plans. Um, and so it it does come down to this idea that the relationships in your life should make you more you, but that takes work. It takes vulnerability. It takes making requests. It takes planning. It takes putting yourself out there. But it starts with that vision, right? I want these relationships to be great. I want them to be an expression of love. And then I have to do the work to actually make that come to be. Right. And I think this actually brings up another really important piece to having an amazing, thriving relationship is you have to have your own fucking life. Um, (laughs) You can't just live in the circle of your relationship and think that that is going to be the only thing that fulfills you. And I have, I, I, it makes me crazy to see how many people spend tens of thousands of dollars on their wedding and, you know, the flowers and the invitations and all the things. And then after that day is over, they think, well, where's my perfect relationship and my perfect life with my perfect partner who's going to um, meet all my needs and like all the same things as me? We invest way too much, I think personally, on the starting line and so much less so in actually what it takes to not only have a thriving relationship, but for you to thrive as a human individual. (laughs) Um, Like my example for this is kind of like you are about to, or I guess it will already have happened by the time this episode comes out. We'll know the results, but you have been planning this crazy bike ride when we are in Maui and you can talk about it, but I'll let you talk about it because I'm very nervous as you know, but like you're doing a thing that I have no part of. The only way I'm involved in this particular event in your life is to support you a little bit by looking after the kids so you can train and all of this stuff. But like you have this thing in your own life right now that I'm not really part of. And it's fueling you and I watch you get so excited about it. And you, you know, you have this thing that's totally outside of that. And I think that that's what's missing in a lot of relationships is, is people go kind of insular on their relationships. And they think this one other person is supposed to fulfill all of their needs, all of their desires, all of their wants, and forget that the only qualified person in your life that can do that is you. So if you are using your partner's lack of uh, servitude (laughs) to to judge yourself, to judge the relationship, I think, you know, go hire a personal assistant. 
to take care of those things for you. Do not make your partner responsible for your extracurricular activities, for your spiritual life, for your happiness, for your success at work. You'll be so much happier. I'm a big believer in this. We're born alone. We die alone. Everything else is up to us to create. And that includes a great relationship. And if you are not fully yourself and just deeply in your own power, in your house, uh, you you can't do that. You're expecting someone else to fill a part of you that is actually just up to you. And I feel like doing big things, kind of pushing your own edge, growing in all the ways that you want to grow is part of how you have a thriving relationship because then you have something to share. There's something exciting going on in your life, not just with the things you're doing, but in the person you're becoming. One of the most amazing things about having children is watching them become more and more new people, new capacities, new powers every day. And we can do that as adults too. Oftentimes we forget that that's possible. It just it kind of looks different and usually takes a little more planning. But um, the same thing is possible with us as adults and it's just as thrilling. It's thrilling to see with someone else. It's thrilling to do it for yourself. And so that's one of the reasons that I'm uh, embarking on this crazy journey. It's not that crazy, but it, it's, uh, it involves cycling up a volcano, a 10,000 foot elevation over a 37 mile road, uh, Haleakala in Maui. And I decided to do it in September just because. I knew that we were going to the island and one of my favorite instructors on the Peloton app, Christine Dercole, talked about her experience cycling up it. And I was like, oh my God, I could totally do that. That's a long ways away because I'm really not in a sort of condition to be able to do that. But if I trained from September until March, I could probably do it. Maybe. It's one of those goals that kind of makes you scared, but also makes you inspired and gets you excited. So I'm like, okay, that's a good goal. If I'm scared and excited and inspired, I should totally go after it. And I talked to Erin. I said, can I get support in doing this? And she said, hell no. And then eventually she said, okay. The hell no wasn't because of the time commitment. It was because of her fear of bicycles. Just to let you in on a little piece of information there. I'm not as afraid of bicycles. So I was into it and she was okay to do the time part. So we're doing it. Thank you for revealing that to thousands of people. I'm scared of bicycles. I do not know how to ride a bike, you guys. Um, But when I was an acupuncturist, I used to treat a lot of scary bicycle injuries. So I guess I'm equipped if if anything terrible happens. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I will be having a heart attack before this episode comes out, but I promise to let you know how he does. And... um, You know, I was thinking about, okay, Steve has his big goal, the big thing he's working on. The big thing I am working on right now is this year I want to help 100 people in their relationships. I want to help 100 people overcome all of the stuckness, all of the arguing, all of the mediocrity, get all of that out of the way so that you can actually live a more purposeful amazing, empowered life. And then your partner just gets to be the person that's literally along for the ride. So that's my big goal. That's what I've been working on. And, you know, Steve and I are talking about being supportive of one another. We totally are. That's a decision. But 
I have to say, Steve, as much as I love you, even if you weren't supportive of this, I am so committed to my goal that I would make it happen regardless. And for all of you, I want you to hear me say that because that has to be true for you as well. If you are letting your partner dictate or, you know, of course they're not actually dictating anything, but like if you're thinking that they aren't supportive enough, that they don't love you enough, that they don't get you, they don't understand you, and you're using that as a way to diminish your passion, your light, your goals, you have to stop it. You have to stop it right now. No one else can ever be responsible for your results, the things that you do for your big goals. So of course, having a supportive partner is lovely, but I've also watched people who have tremendously supportive partners not do a thing. So don't ever, ever, ever make your partner's support the, the reason you can or can't do something. It's a really important point. I know you guys have heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again probably a hundred times to the next hundred people that I work with over this year. Thank you so much, Steve, for being here. And I would love to know if you have any last insights or words that you would like to share about what it takes to create a thriving relationship. Just make sure you laugh. One of our tenets is to make sure that we're laughing every day. So even if it's been just a a goat rodeo with every element of our lives, before we go to bed, we make sure we have at least one good laugh and that uh, that keeps things rolling. Yeah, it's really easy to laugh when you are sleep deprived. (laughs) So if you're a new parent, it's hilarious. Uh, One of my, my new favorite things that always makes me laugh is Steve will turn to me when one of our kids is like screaming in the middle of the night or, you know, crying because they didn't get the purple vitamin that they wanted in the morning. They got an orange one. He'll look at me and say, tales of woe. And I just cracks me up. So tales of woe, (laughs) you can laugh. You have to laugh together. I think that's one of the most important things. If you're not having fun, what is the point? right? What's the point? Anyway, Steve, I love you for being on the podcast. I love you for lots of reasons, but it's so much fun to have you here. Please come back um, and tell us all about how your coaching goes. I can't wait. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, everyone. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Happy episode 100. Thank you for being here. And if you have left a review on iTunes, thank you so much for doing that. If you have not, please do it. Help us celebrate 100 episodes. And if you want to be one of those 100 people that I help this year, you can sign up for a consultation with me to learn about what I have coming up. There's some really exciting things happening in the next few months. You can head over to revitalizeyourrelationship.com slash consultation. And that link is in the show notes for you too. All right. Have a beautiful week and a beautiful relationship. Take care.